spooky friends. Spooky friends. Here we are. It's an Encounters episode. Hi. Hi. And uh, the wind is howling and ripping through my apartment currently (laughs) and blowing open windows. So if I scream suddenly, it's because a window has sprung open. Or Leia's getting into something, which happened right before we hit record. And it was the scariest, loudest noise. She knocked a, a suitcase down in my closet. Oh, that's what she did? Who knew she was so strong? She's so strong. Well, she is. I've said it before and I'll say it again. She's a large cat. (laughs) (laughs) We like to call her chunky. Yeah, she's massive. When you lengthen her out, she's half of your body, if not more. (laughs) Lengthen her out. (laughs) (laughs) Am I stretching her like in Willy Wonka? Yes. You're reminding me. Do you remember the the meme that said if if you drive by horses or if you pass horses and don't say horses, you're a psychopath? No. It's the same. Oh, you've never seen that? No. Oh, well, it's it's totally the same if you see a dog or a cat, any animal that does a stretch and you don't say big stretch. <sighs> or good stretch. Good stretch. Woo, stretch. <laughs> you have to say the word stretch or yeah. or you're just not doing it right. What if we did that to people? Like if you yawned, if you yawned and I was like, ooh, good yawn, Corinne. <laughs> I don't you know, honestly, if you said it to me, I'd be like, thanks. But imagine <laughs> just a random co-worker a that you weren't that close to turning and being like, big yawn, big stretch. I'd feel so uncomfortable. I'm just going to start doing it now. Yeah. Oh, don't do it to me. I, I take it back. I don't want it. Good what podcasting. I- <laughs> also, for anyone who is on our Patreon, who's going to see this video, because we're going to post a couple stories. I am incredibly shiny. You do not look shiny from my end. Well, in the mirror today, I thought I was looking quite beautiful because I was using some face oil at night and I didn't wash all of it off, which maybe is gross. But I was like, oh my gosh, I have such glowy skin. But now in this lighting at night in this video, I'm like, makes me look real, Mm-mm. real oily. You look the same as I do. So if you're oily, I'm oily too. If you're a bird, I'm a bird. <laughs> two oily girls. This is two <laughs> girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. Hi. And I am Sabrina. And And um, let's get spooky. Let's read some stories. Some stories. Do you want to go first? I feel like I always go first. I think you do as well. So I will. Yeah, please. Please switch it up for you. Ooh, let's start with a long one because we know we uh, start to fall apart as the day goes on. Mm hmm. English is hard after 4 p.m. And it is currently 7 Okay, so this is from Mike, and it is called The Lady in the Hall. Hello, spookstresses. Ooh, that's fun. Ooh, spookstresses. Spookstresses, which is hard for my mouth to say, but I really like it. I like the way it looks. I stumbled upon your podcast and started listening very recently, but became hooked immediately. Great stuff. Keep rocking it. After listening to only a few episodes, I thought it fitting to share my story already. I'll try to keep it short. But I want to start by saying that while I have no specific religious beliefs, I do believe that once you have an experience that opens you up to a world outside of your normal five senses, you have unlocked your brain to be able to experience more. And I do, myself, experience more from time to time. I grew up in a very small house in Rhode Island. Not only was it small, but it was old. Nothing was straight. Doorways were crooked. Every single floorboard creaked. And the walls just seemed to bow inward or outward, depending on their moods. None of this ever really bothered me. It was just home for our small family of four, including my parents, my older sister, and I. One night when I was around eight years old, I was very sick and feverish and was laying in bed in a haze. 
Though my memory is foggy because this was more than 35 years ago, I recall that I woke up in the middle of the night. My mother had a lamp on as my nightlight and was constantly checking on me during the night due to my fever. At one point, I woke up to see a strange man sitting on the edge of my bed near my feet. He wasn't touching me, wasn't doing anything at all except watching me. In my feverish state, I assumed he was a doctor or something, so I smiled at him, and he smiled back. I fell back to sleep and was awoken a short time later by my mother, who was putting a cool, wet cloth on my head. So I asked her where the nice doctor with the beard went, and at first she didn't say anything at all, but then she played along and said that he had to leave for another appointment. Again, I didn't think much of it, but went back to sleep. Flash forward to my teenage years, sitting around the dinner table with my family, and we were talking about something or other having to do with the illness, and I inquired about the nice old doctor who had made a house call the night of my illness when I was a child. Everyone at the table fell silent, and as I looked around for answers, my father began to ask me questions. Did the man have dark brown hair? Yes. Medium-length beard? Yes. Wrinkled face? Kind smile? Yes. Yes. My parents then decided to inform me that there had, in fact, not been any doctor making house calls that night, but that something a bit more out of the ordinary had happened and had been happening in the house since well before I was born. It seems that I had awoken many times as a small child and had been heard and even seen talking to this nice man in my room. (gasps) My parents also revealed that this man was seen by my father and my sister on multiple occasions as well, including one fairly recently in which my father had seen the man ascending our staircase to the attic, a staircase that no longer existed. This was enough to set my hair on end, but my father pulled me aside after dinner to let me know that I had nothing to be afraid of. He said that he had spoken to the man on several occasions and that the man meant us no harm at all. My father even felt that the nice old man with the beard was affording us some level of protection. Well, after that, I would find that I saw the man more and more often up until the time I went to college in New York. On these occasions, I always seemed to see the man sitting or standing in my bedroom always silent, always watching, but never in a sinister way. Sometimes I would talk to him, hoping he would talk to me back, but he never did. Well, as I said, that seemed to unlock something in my brain, and even during my years away at college, I would often see or experience things that others did not. After college, I moved to Boston, and one night my girlfriend, who is now my wife, and I were in town doing one of those haunted ghost tours. On this occasion, we were brought into the Omni Parker House, a historic hotel in the heart of Boston. Hey, yo, home of the Boston cream pie. We went and we visited. Yeah, and we ate Boston cream pie and we asked about ghost stories. And we had drinks. It was lovely. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Lovely. And we were told many of the hauntings that had been reported there. As people were milling around in the lobby, I was checking out the ornate architecture details on the wall and ceiling when the elevator door dinged open about 15 feet in front of me. And out stepped a man and a woman who were both very well-dressed in clothing that appeared to be from the 1920s or 1930s. The man had thick red hair on the sides and a small cropped red beard, and on his head stood a smart-looking top hat. The woman had long curly black hair, and her dress was purple and black. They both strode confidently out of the elevators with large smiles on their faces, walked right by me, oddly close in fact given the space around me. As they passed, the man's eyes met mine, and his smile intensified. He nodded and discontinued on his way. How cool, I said to my girlfriend, who was standing next to me. I elbowed her and said, they must be going to some elaborate costume party or something. Who? she asked. (gasps) 
Ghost ladies, <laughs> you know where this goes. When I turned to look, they were gone. I tried oh, to explain chills. to my girlfriend, but she rolled her eyes and laughed as if I were just playing along with the ghost tour stories. What? I dropped it and did not mention it again. A few years later, we married, and a few years after that, we moved to a house in a town just 15 minutes north of Boston with our six-month-old daughter. This was back in 2005. This house is old, built in 1910, and immediately, my wife and I started hearing strange noises in the house. Doors in the upstairs bedroom would open and close on their own, and you can feel strange breezes blow through the hallway even when all of the windows are closed. After a while, these things started to happen less and less, and eventually we had a second child. One weekend morning, my wife and I were lying in our bed and our children were climbing around, giggling, and just being goofy kids. My son was about one and my daughter was about four. It was a happy morning and we were all just lounging around having a lazy day. When I looked up and saw an old woman standing in the doorway, only a few feet away, watching us and smiling. I immediately shot out of bed and ran toward the door, but she was gone in a flash. My wife asked what happened, but I sort of just brushed it off like I had forgotten something in another room, but I was rattled. I saw this woman clear as day and it was daytime. Full morning light was streaming in the window. It was not a shadow. It was not an illusion. A woman was standing right there. Later that night, after my entire family was asleep, I climbed out of bed, closed all the bedroom doors, and sat in the hallway. I closed my eyes, and I just tried to open my mind. Every once in a while, I would just start whispering, Is anyone there? Hello? Can you speak to me? And after a few minutes, there she was, standing in the hallway outside of my son's bedroom. She just appeared and stood, staring at me inquisitively, as if I was the one who was an oddity. I could only see her for a short moment, but even when she disappeared... I knew she was still there. I could sense her presence. So I began asking more questions. Can you hear me? All at once, my body filled with a warm, tingly feeling that just felt wonderful. I took that as a sign that yes, she could hear me. I asked other questions. Are you hurt? No feeling. Are you scared? Nothing. Are you friendly? Again, the warm, tingly feeling filled my body. Have you been here for a long time? Warm, tingly feeling. Are we safe here? warm, tingly feeling. Will you protect and watch over my family? My whole body seemed to be encased in a warmth and happiness that I cannot even explain. It felt like a resounding yes, and I knew immediately that this spirit meant us no harm and would keep my family safe. Throughout the last 13 years, I have had similar conversations with the old lady many times. I've only seen her two other times, both just glimpses and both only for a moment. I've mentioned it to my wife, but she shushed me immediately and requested that I never tell her about any of the supernatural things that I see or feel (laughs) because it frightens her and she was afraid that it might frighten the children as well. There was a time when a woman that we are friends with was babysitting our children when we went out for a date night. Our babysitter was an older woman who was very reliable and we had known her for a few years. And when we returned home that night, everything was in order. The kids were in bed. They were well-behaved. And the night had gone without a hitch. My wife excused herself to change into more relaxing clothes while I agreed to walk the sitter out. As we walked toward the door, the sitter stopped and looked at me as if she had a question that she wanted to ask but was fighting it. Finally, she decided better of it and I paid her and thanked her for helping out. She stepped out of the door and I was about to close it when she looked around to be sure nobody was listening and said to me, You've seen her, haven't you? Without hesitation, I simply smiled and nodded 
And with a relieved sigh, the sitter simply gave me a knowing look, nodded back and said, I wouldn't worry about her if I were you. Oh my gosh, I literally have full (laughs) body chills. In the 13 years I have lived here, I have never once worried about her. Until now. Uh Uh-oh. We are in the process of moving into a new house across town. And while this house has been great for us, we need to upgrade. The kids are getting bigger and we are simply outgrowing the space. During the process of cleaning, packing, and preparing the house for sale, strange things began happening. The attic stairs broke. A tree fell on the back roof, damaging it and breaking a hole into the siding. Windows that previously opened without issue suddenly became stuck. Lights and wall outlets suddenly no longer worked, and even railing posts on the banister began snapping in half without explanation, all with only a few weeks to go until the move. Though I have had very little interaction with the old woman over the last couple of years, she definitely seems to be angry that we are moving and is doing whatever she can within her power to ensure that we don't leave. We already have a new home under agreement and new buyers ready to move in. Our closing date is on October 30th, the night before Halloween, but we can't move until all these issues that keep popping up get resolved. So two nights ago, I decided to have a little conversation with the old lady. While she did not present herself to me, I knew that she heard me. I had a small little light on in the hallway and it would keep dimming and flickering throughout my conversation with her. I don't know if she was mad or sad, but I could tell there were emotions there that bothered her. So I did something that will make most people in the paranormal world cringe or question my sanity. I invited the old woman to come along with us to the new house. (laughs) I explained to her that I appreciated all that she had done to watch over and protect our family and that there was a nice family with a baby moving in. But if she really wanted to continue to protect us, that she could just join us in the new home. All has been going fairly smoothly with the move since that conversation, and I am hopeful that we will be able to complete all required repairs before the move-in date on the day before Halloween. Whether or not our special friend who seems to live in the hall joins us or not remains to be seen, but if she does decide to join us, I know that I will have a friendly spirit around to watch over my family. That's my story. Thanks for doing what you do. Keep rocking it, Mike. Okay, that was in 2019. So Mike, (laughs) it's been a year and a half now. Yes. Can you please update us? Did she come with you? Do you know the the other family if she didn't? We need to know everything. We need (laughs) details. I'll follow up when we respond and hopefully get an answer for next next week. Yeah. As vivid of the as the experiences are that Mike's had, they're all quite lovely. Mm -hmm. When he was younger and he was sick, he had that spirit that was checking on him, a spirit that he hadn't remembered seeing throughout his childhood, but still was able to see as an adult. It's funny. It's like, you know, people say that kids can see spirits, but then you grow out of them. You forget your imaginary friends. But he he was still able to see this spirit. Just enough time had passed that he'd forgotten about this man. And then the Omni Parker, Sabrina, we need to just like go there for (laughs) three months, live there. (laughs) I would for sure live there. How fun. That would be so fun. Sweet Life of Zack and Cody Haunted Edition. (laughs) More like Sweet Life of Two Girls, One Ghost. True. And that will be our new show. Oh my gosh. I'm so jealous. I'm truly jealous because that sounds like such a great experience in the hallway, seeing someone in costume, thinking that this couple is going to like the best ball, the best costume party. And the fact that the man, as they passed by Mike and his girlfriend, looked at him and gave like just the sweetest, sincerest, happiest smile back. Ah, so cool. Ah. It reminds me of... um. What's it called? What's the ride at Disney? Why am I blanking on it? Um, Haunted Mansion? Yeah. No, that's, the univer- that's Universal, isn't it? 
No, no, it's Disney. Haunted no, Mansion. One, no, 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 Wait, no. what are we talking about? The one that drops. Oh, I don't know that. The hotel. I don't go, oh, 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 Tower of Terror. Thank you. Oh my God, those Tower of Terror. Bothering me so much. But you know, when you got up to the top, they would show you the video of like the party and everyone was dancing, but it was mm-hmm. like all ghosts. Well, I mean, I don't know that because I've never been on it. What? Oh yeah. You don't like rides. I don't I do rides. Serena, we went to Universal together. I forgot me doing all the rides by myself at Universal. I sat on the curb and waited for you. <laughs> But so they have this thing where the elevator doors open and it's like a dance, but it's all ghosts. And it just reminds me of that where it's like these ghosts just having a party still. Yeah, it's amazing. They're living there. This makes me want to watch the Twilight Zone or even the movie Tower of Terror. I did. I did watch that when I was younger. Oh, I haven't seen that in years. Yeah, it's black and white. I went to a pumpkin carving party with my cousin when we were like 11. And they were playing that in the background. And I was like, this is the best party ever. <laughs> so oh my great. gosh. I just got like such nostalgia. I know, wow. man. And you, you know what's so great is Mike clearly is attracting good spirits and has mm-hmm. good spirits around him. And his children are going to grow up with a, I feel like, a healthy relationship with the paranormal. Yeah. That's like the the most ideal situation where you mm-hmm. just have like a nice spirit Watching over your family. I mean, I don't think it's out of the norm to invite this woman to come with you because she's proven herself to be a lovely right. spirit, lovely soul, and lovely soul. only cares about mm-hmm. your well-being. So why not? Why not? Right. She's so sad to, to see you My leave. parents will validate this as well. But when we had moved from Guilford, New Hampshire to Littleton, New Hampshire, when I was a baby... <laughs> the ghost that was in our Guilford, New Hampshire home followed us to Littleton, but then did not follow us to Vermont. So maybe the spirit just wants a little bit of time with your yeah with your family when you're young and the kids can still see her. It does make me wonder like how, I mean, we've asked this question so many times, but how can spirits travel? Like, do, mm-hmm. did she need the permission in order to f- come with them to the new home? And what if she decides... She really likes this new family who moves in. Can she go back to the old house or can she, you know, choose, go back and forth? I don't know. Is it based on desire that is, that is good of intentions, good of heart? Yeah. I don't know. I don't don't know either, but. (sighs) Well, Mike, we need to know more. I know this plot of, of the woman (laughs) in the house feels so, so horror movie, but like, like a, like a PG-13 horror movie, doesn't it? Because it's like family moves into home, uh-huh. has child, man sees ghost, wife is not not having it. Not like into not, it. Not seeing anything. So he's kind of like alone here. Then the babysitter comes, whips around and it's like, you've seen her, haven't you? <laughs> That's such a turning point in the movie. I'm curious that that woman who was babysitting is like someone who's lived in the neighborhood for a really long time. And maybe mm-hmm. she used to babysit for the family who lived there before Mike and his family. Mm-hmm. And she's seen the old lady before. Oh. Talk of the town. They just didn't know. Before Mike and his family moved in, people in the town saw like a woman in the window. Oh, yes. All the children would just sleepwalk in their pajamas to the house in the middle of the night. Everyone was afraid. Oh, my God. But it turns out she was just the loveliest old lady. Lovely old woman. Okay. I have... Well, I was inspired by last episode when you uh, read the email from our new listener who had found us by the ghost playing our podcast in his truck. <laughs> And I'm going to read an email from our listener, Michaela. It's called, I experienced a glitch in the matrix and it was about your podcast. Oh my gosh. Hello, ladies. I absolutely love your podcast and I wanted to share my story that has happened recently. 
I was listening to your Glitch in the Matrix episode, and it made me realize that I had a similar experience involving your podcast. A few months ago, my friend Robbie kept telling me about this podcast that she found and that I absolutely had to listen to it. And it was called Two Girls, One Ghost. And she said that I had to listen to your episode under the covers. Well, I forgot about it. And after a few weeks, she messaged me later and asked if I checked it out yet. I told her no, and she shared the info with me again over Facebook Messenger. A few months later, I told her that I'd finally listened to the podcast and that I loved it, and she asked me which one, and I told her TGOG, and she told me that she had no idea what I was talking about. (gasps) She's forgetful sometimes, so I told her the name and the episode that she told me to listen to, and she said that she had never heard of Two Girls, One Ghost. What? And didn't know what I was talking about. I told her, yes, you do, thinking that she was just trying to be funny. And I went back through our messages and I could not find them anywhere. What? I knew that she had told me about your podcast because at the time I had no interest in podcasts at all and wouldn't have even known where to start. And when I listened to the Glitch in the Matrix episode, it all made sense. And I realized that I had, in fact, experienced this. Oh my gosh. I have a few more stories to share at a later time. Like the time that my mom summoned a demon when she was a little girl in the time. Can you send these to us? Maybe maybe yeah, she has. I'll, I'll check the inbox. And the time I'm pretty sure my sister got possessed. <laughs> Feel free to share this with others. I will see you on the other side. Michaela. Okay. Well, first of all, Michaela, those two stories sound like my top five types of paranormal stories ever. So <laughs> please send them. And then, wow. Wow. A glitch. A glitch. This is, again, an experience where I feel like our ghost or ghosts, all of the ghosts of the world. I don't know. I don't want to say it's just one because maybe it's all of them. Are they're, they're making people listen to our podcast. Yes. Although my question for the ghost is why make the other person forget about it? <laughs> why is it like swap one for one? It's the closet, yeah, like one item in, one item out. <laughs> well, because I knew it would come back around. True, true, true. Yeah, this is just, yeah, it's so wild. Again, spirit intervention has to be the root cause of this. And or then, it's like that one time you read a story about like uh, one of our listeners who had the Snapchat that was sent from someone and it was like a picture of everyone together. Mm-hmm. It almost makes me think that like something transcended through different time yeah. line or something. And then the message was sent to her from like her friend, but in a different time. You know what this is making me realize is that I think this year has been the first year that I've ever lived alone. Mm-hmm. And in the past couple years prior to me living alone... There were things that happened and I didn't say anything, but I thought maybe one of my roommates was doing something like taking something and not putting it back and it was missing. Or at one point I had my own bathroom and products would be like half used or my um the water pick would be refilled after being completely empty and dried out. And just odd things that I was like, maybe <laughs> someone's just either sleepwalking or just using my stuff and not really talking about it. But the same stuff has been happening to me now that I live alone, where things are just off. Things are different. Things are placed (gasps) different. Yes. And so now I'm starting to think that it was actually just a glitch. Like it was me all along, but me in a different timeline. And I just accidentally like swapped for a moment. Or a ghost has followed you from place to place. It's, It's possible. It's definitely possible. But two, thinking back to that Snapchat story and even to Michaela's story, the the message over Facebook Messenger, I've told you before, and I know I've said it on the podcast, that there have been a few times where someone has a text message from me that I never sent or Mm -hmm. that I had received text messages and we had made plans and done all of this stuff. And then when 
someone else is confused about it, I'm like, look at our text and it's never there. Right. That one's super weird. Yeah. The way that they can manipulate technology Mm -hmm. or, or is it like a weird warp where just for a moment, because of the way technology works, like it can cross the realms. Because in Michaela's case, it wasn't like there was just one message. Have you listened to this podcast? You should listen Mm -hmm. to this one episode and her saying, okay, cool. And then going back to try to find it. It was that message. And then a few weeks later, a follow-up message in both were gone. Yep. I don't know, man. I don't either. I always feel like we're near breakthrough when it comes to to the paranormal world. And then things like this happen. And I'm like, we're really not in control here of (laughs) who gets to listen to our podcast or what. We have zero control. Zero. And my therapist and I have talked about how me not having control is something that I don't like. (laughs) It makes me feel out of control. Well, how do you feel each week that we basically talk about things that we'll never really possibly have control or a grip on? Well, what I like about this, though, is that like at least we're, you know, trying to approach it and approach some explanation Mm -hmm. and reason, which makes me feel a little bit more in control because I'm processing it through my own strange ways. I feel like in in regular life, there's such a tendency to compare yourself to others and to to feel what others' paths are compared to yours and then feel out of control or feel feel like you're not in the right space. Hello, anxiety. With With the paranormal world, like who knows? Like what's the right path? There aren't any. Everyone has a different no. experience and a lot of people have the same experience. So you can't really do a comparison, which is kind of nice. And I feel like half the time I'm closer to being a ghost than I am a real live human because people don't see me. People don't see it. Well, I see you. You're seen. Okay. I have one. You seem very excited. I'm not going to read the subject line, but this is from Vanessa. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I love your podcast. And as soon as I started to listen, I knew I had to share this story with you. When I was about five years old, we lived in a house right across from a cemetery, and I had an imaginary friend named Anna. I don't remember her face, but I do remember she had a long pink coat and long, straight black hair. We had a swing set in our backyard, and my mom could see me play from the kitchen window. She said I would always play with Anna on the swings, and all she could see was me pushing the swing, which is super creepy, lol. And I would also ask my mom to make a plate for my friend whenever it was breakfast or lunchtime. And my mom would do it. I would ask for a lot of random things like that, and my mom would just go along with it. Well, one time I was playing outside with Anna, and my mom heard me arguing with her. Apparently, she was on my bike, and I just kept yelling at her. And then I got a broom and started hitting her for like a full minute straight. And I swear, I am not violent like that at all. After that, my mom said that Anna never came back. I never (laughs) played with her or talked about her anymore. So um, basically, did I kill my imaginary friend? I wonder now if Anna was a ghost kid from the cemetery and if any other kids that lived in that house or near the house ever saw her as their imaginary friend too. Thanks for reading, Vanessa. I mean, I would like to think (laughs) that Vanessa did not kill her imaginary friend. Here are my my two proposed, yeah, my two proposed scenarios that could have happened. One, something else was there. And trying to get in between Vanessa and her imaginary friend and really spooked her ghost friend. And her ghost friend Mm. dipped and Vanessa fought off this creature that was scaring both of them. And then her friend was just too afraid to ever come back. Just needed to recover. We don't know how ghosts and spirits measure time. Maybe that spirit didn't realize how long 
she had separated from Vanessa. That's that's a fun. That's a nice theory. I'm. I was just imagining Vanessa had had it because Anna was on her bike. She took a broom to her, and then they just never were friends again. Or or what if it's <laughs> honestly? I was going to say what if it's even worse. But maybe what's worse is just that Vanessa tried to beat her. <laughs> You know, she was a kid. She was a kid. She was a kid. Yes. But I was I was also thinking, <laughs> we always talk about how sometimes evil entities mask themselves as something that you would tend to trust. And for a child, you're going to trust another child, likely, that's around your same age that is enticing to play with. And so what if, what if that entity had been this imaginary friend and was getting too strong and started to try to maybe act a little bizarrely and try to, to morph and become... This energy sucker and Vanessa was just like, pop, pop, pop. You're giving Vanessa a lot of credit, and maybe there is credit to be given, but I'm trying to make Vanessa the hero instead of the attacker. <laughs> you know what? Growing up with siblings, I think we did worse to each other than, than hit each other with a broom. So I, I, I find it endearing because Vanessa was just really good friends with this girl that they knew how to get on each other's nerves. True. I know. I feel eternal debt to my brother for the mean <laughs> He never did anything mean to me. Wait, ever. didn't he scare you a lot? A couple times. But I was like physically and like psychologically mean. You and my sister are very similar. Yeah. My sister once tied me to her bed and left. Well, no, to, to back up. My sister once invited me to play with her friends, which was like a rare occasion. And I was so excited. So they invite me into her bedroom and they're like, we're going to play school. But then they tied me to her bed and left me there for a while and went down into the basement and played by themselves. Okay. No offense (laughs) to your sister, but I wasn't that mean. (laughs) My version of mean was like grabbing my brother's wrist a little too tight and being like, stop that. Or (laughs) saying something rude. (laughs) <laughs> like one, one a one-off instance but i think it's different because you guys were two sisters so yeah it's like you always wanted to be friends i don't think my brother wanted to be friends with my friends and i didn't really want to hang out with his his crew we're very different but you had this desire to be with the other the other girls the older mm-hmm. girls oh sabrina yep. i feel so bad for you it's all those middle children out there <laughs> this <laughs> one's children. for you <laughs> I have one question uh, for Vanessa's mother. Mm-hmm. Vanessa, when your mom said that she saw you pushing your, uh, what she thought to be imaginary friend, your ghost friend, on the swing, did the swing look out of control as if you were just like pushing an empty swing? Ooh, or was question. there some real weight to it as if there was a mm-hmm. body in front of you? That's a really good question. Also, like what part of the swing was she pushing? Because mm-hmm. if there was like a body in there, you'd be pushing probably the back. Right, than like just the air. swing part. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. At that point, it's like, is there is there even a ghost that you're pushing, or is this just a baby witch practicing her her magic? Like, <gasps> baby away witch, away from me, forward, away, forward, making it. Baby move. witch, that should be our children's book. Baby witch, oh, this is it, Sabrina. This is we're actually oh, wait, doing it's this. It's gonna be so cute, baby <gasps> witch. Forget baby our witch. brewery. Forget all of the other ideas we've ever. I mean, don't forget them. But this one. This is I the love one. Baby Witch. Baby Witch, Baby Witch, 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 Witch. <laughs> baby Shark. <laughs> it's uh, baby Shark in it. <laughs> uh, we good. didn't say we wouldn't be plagiarizing, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have one that I'm also going to not read the title of. <gasps> okay, this is from Katie. 
Hello, ghostesses. Love the podcast. It's been one of my favorite binge listening shows for over the past two months, and I have what I believe to be a Bigfoot encounter to tell you all about. (laughs) Okay. I was listening to an episode when you asked for some more Bigfoot stories (laughs) to share with your listeners, so here is my encounter. I grew up in a town in West Alabama, and the neighborhood we lived in growing up was surrounded by miles of woods on three sides. We spent the majority of our time growing up playing in these woods as there was not much else to do. We knew the woods around our house so well after the years and years of exploring and playing in them. It was late spring of 2003. I was 13 years old when my brother started talking about how him and some of his friends went to this part of the woods outside of our neighborhood and saw this old dilapidated house. Of course, I immediately thought that he was lying and wanted to prove him wrong. Granted, the part of woods that he was talking about, we only went once or twice to because when you get there, you had to cross across this wide open field that someone lived in a trailer on. Our parents had told us not to trespass on that land because there were rumors that the people that lived there would shoot at trespassers. Growing up in Alabama, that seemed like a very believable thing. So we actually listened to our parents on that matter. So the fact that my brother had crossed this field with his friends and saw the old house in the middle of the woods made me sure that he was lying. As the smarter, younger sister, (laughs) I wanted to prove him wrong. We must have been really bored that day if finding an old house in the woods is what we wanted to do for excitement. I mean, that sounds kind of exciting to me right now. Me too. I was just going to say right (laughs) now, like today. This sounds great. Okay. I mean... We'll take the long way. I don't want to cross. We can go the, the border of the field. Go around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not going to risk, risk anything. Anyways, we couldn't go alone. So my brother and I went to our two best friends' house who lived next door and we roped them into going along for the journey. The four of us in our beloved black lab set off exploring. Ah, spin off to baby witch. Four, <laughs> four kids in a black lab. Love it. We're just stealing listener stories. <laughs> They're inspiring us. Oh, they did the same thing. We walked along the edge of the field. The same thing as us, Sabrina, what we did. Right. Uh, we did. It's our story our now. Minds. <laughs> we walked along the edge of the field in the woods for as long as we could, and we tried to stay hidden from eyesight in case the people that lived on the land were home. Eventually, the woods became too thick and overgrown, so we had to cut through the corner of the fields towards the back end of the field where my brother said the house was. As we were walking... We were trying to stay low and quiet as to not be seen and draw attention to ourselves. My brother pointed to the opening of the trail that led from the fields back into the woods. So we headed for that opening. The trail we walked onto was just a trail made through the woods by what looked like some four wheelers. There was really thick, tall brush on our left with the field on the side of that brush. Then to our right, there were these huge trees and brush that went on for as far as we could see. The brush to our left was so thick that you couldn't even see through it. So my brother and I were leading our two friends behind us and our black lab was just in front of me. We turned onto the trail with the thick brush on my left, my brother walking on my right. We were still quiet as to not draw attention to ourselves. Once we knew that we were out of eyesight from that field, we all started laughing and talking. Right then, right in that moment, when we had started talking, this growl erupted from the tall, thick brush to my left. Nope. It wasn't a sound that I'd ever heard before, and I haven't heard since. It was this deep, primitive growl that seemed to come from the chest of whatever thing was making that sound. At the same time that we'd heard this guttural growl, the stems in the brush were being shaken, but they were being shaken above my head. So I'm guessing this thing was about six feet up off of the ground. 
Something was behind that overgrown brush growling and shaking the brush at us. Needless to say, we ran. Whatever it was had scared us so badly that our flight kicked in and we booked it out of there. Our dog was the first one to run before (laughs) any of us. Yep. Yep. Trust your pets. (laughs) Every man for himself. (laughs) We took off back through the fields, not caring if anyone would see us. And when we were back to the other side that we had came from, I yelled, wait, wait. My brother and our friends stopped and looked at me and asked, what in the hell was that? What could do that? And no one said anything. So, of course, I was like, well, let's go back and see. (laughs) They surprisingly followed me back to the spot where the growling had occurred, but there was nothing there. So whatever it was, was gone. We moved the brush back and we saw that if you had just moved some stems out of the way, there was enough room to walk around behind there and still stay hidden. My brother was like, well, maybe there was an animal. To which I said, what animal do you know makes that type of growl and shakes stuff instead of just trying to attack us? Because the sound that we had heard coming from that creature did not sound like what bears do in the movies or any other animal that I've ever heard for that matter. We were all kind of stumped and scared, so we headed back home. We didn't really talk about it after that or tell our parents because we were not supposed to be back there in the first place. We did not want to get in trouble. Fair. A few years, very fair. A few years later, my family and I were together and we started talking about Bigfoot for some reason. And in the moment, a light bulb just went off. It was Bigfoot. The growling sound had come from a Bigfoot. We accidentally snuck up on him that day, and so he had to scare us off. I was convinced, and so I tried to convince my brother as well. He was and still is a skeptic on the matter, but what else could it have been? I tried to make him see that animals don't growl and shake stems and brush six feet off of the ground. That sound could not have come from a human either. And if it was a human, there were no signs of someone living back there in the woods. Also, if it was one of the people who owned the land, they would have confronted us. They wouldn't have left by the time that we had gone back to see what made the growl. The experience that we had was considered a class B encounter. Yes, Bigfoot encounters are ranked into different classes based on what type of encounter you had with our big hairy friends. Ours was considered a class B encounter because we only heard him and we didn't have direct line of sight. There is even a very extensive database that has listings of Bigfoot encounters organized by state. <gasps> county type of encounter and even a description of the encounter it was thanks to this database that i was able to see that bigfoot was sighted in the same county on two separate occasions later that summer (gasps) whoa if i wasn't 100 convinced by then i was 1000 convinced when i saw that he was spotted later that summer in the same county that is yeah wow and there started my sasquatch obsession i'm a believer now and now living in oregon hoping to one day get a sighting of the big guy on a hike Not the main reason I moved to Oregon, (laughs) but definitely a happy coincidence. (laughs) Anyways, thanks for listening. Love the podcast and love the work you do on TGOG. Keep it squatchy, Katie. Wow. Bigfoot. Bigfoot. I'm also curious because you know how those videos have come out about like the sounds that Bigfoot makes? Mm -hmm. I wonder if Katie's ever watched those videos and tried to see if it matches the sound that they heard. Yeah, I remember... A few years back, there was that YouTube video posted that someone someone had said, like, what sound is this? And so many people were like, oh, my gosh, I heard that same exact sound. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people attributed it to Bigfoot. So how brave, though, of Katie to run away screaming with her brother and friends, stop midway and be like, wait a second. What was that? Yeah. Like just to have the wherewithal and the, the confidence and bravery to mm-hmm. to stop and be like, wait. Let's turn back and go investigate, even though it just like made us terrified and made us run. Right. 
Yeah, I can't, I can't say I would do the same. I think I'd be as curious as her to the point where if we stop, I'd maybe be the person that tries to encourage a few people to break off from the group and go check without me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or you'd like clutch onto me. Yeah. Basically be on my back. You'd carry me like a backpack. Yes. Yes. Or or I'd go get weapons and and whatnot and then try to return and see what Okay. Let's be honest, Corinne. You will always have weapons on you. It's not like you have to go get them. You carry them on you all the time. Unzip my backpack, take them out of all my pockets, distribute them amongst the group. (laughs) Everyone have something? Okay. We're good. Keys for you. Pen for you. Mine is just a a love letter. (laughs) Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) The weapon is this love that I have inside my chest. Disarm him with love. Okay, well, then you have to lead the pack, Corinne. You definitely have to go first because that's the only weapon that's going to work. True love. True love. <laughs> I wonder if there's ever been a Bigfoot who's who's been attempted to, if anyone's seen it and just automatically been like, I should flirt with this thing. Or an attempted little peck on the cheek. Like, has anyone ever gotten that close? I don't think so. I think we would have heard about it. I think yeah. you will be the first. I, I do have to be weary, though. You know, we've heard enough cases of, of bad and violent Bigfoot, Big Feet. But at the same they time, I feel like this yet. one was a good one that was just like, hey, yo, you're getting too close to me. I don't want to deal with this. Go away, kids. If if the Bigfoot wanted to harm you, it would have. It could Yeah, have. I'm glad it did not attack. Whatever it was, if it was Bigfoot or an animal, I mean... I'm just glad it did not attack them. And the other thing, too, is it couldn't have been anything that was just, you know, crawled up high on the brush and was shaking as it graveled. Because Mm -hmm. after they had moved the few sticks apart, they realized that there was a path, like a standing area behind there. So it was so curious about because it's like, how far did that path go? Did they how much time do they spend there? Like, were they able to look and see if there were footprints? Mm -hmm. Bigfoot, we know, has big feet. And I imagine leaves behind some footprints. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it also is making me curious now about the appetite of Bigfoot. What do they eat and survive off? (laughs) Well, because I was just thinking, you know, like a hawk might have its designated post, the the post above the field that it likes to be on to get a good view of all the mice and and whatnot in the field. Mm -hmm. And it kind of sounds like this was a little camouflaged observation area for the Bigfoot to be behind the brush because it was cleared out. Right. And right in front of this big, open, vast field. It's like perfectly hidden, but Mm -hmm. unless Bigfoot are men in black, international, interstellar, interdimensional spies, and the people that were living in the trailer on the land weren't just normal people that Mm. were there to shoot any trespassers. They were actual intergalactic beings Mm -hmm, that were mm -hmm. had a warrant out for their arrest and so bigfoot was there watching them trying to capture them you would be you're like the best conspiracy theorist (laughs) i've ever met the worst thing is that i truly convinced myself of i know i know i see it i can see it's right (laughs) i honestly as you were asking what bigfoot eats i was thinking about how like you know santa claus gets his power and his magic because when people believe in him Mm -hmm. i wonder if that's how bigfoot works the more people believe, the more magic he has. Boston, prepare yourself. You're about to get a whole lot of sightings. <laughs> I'm fueling them up. I have a story from Rowena, and it's called The Shaky Head Man. Hi, Sabrina, Corinne, Kitty Cat, and Ghost. My name is Rowena, not Rowena. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. I started at the beginning and have finally caught up. 
I love anything paranormal, so I look forward to a new episode each week. I have plenty of stories of my own, but for now, for this email, I thought I'd share my fiance's, Paul, story. He is a huge skeptic and thinks there must be a logical explanation for everything, which I find annoying because I love the paranormal explanation the best. It's much cooler. So here's his story. When I was around 11, I lived on a council estate, UK government housing, in a small village in North Wales called Landernog. I lived with my mom, my older sister, and younger brother. It was December, and my mom had gone out for the evening for her work's Christmas party. This left me, my brother, sister, and my sister's then-boyfriend, Gaz, at the house. I was downstairs putting on soccer stickers into an album, as is commonplace for an 11-year-old boy at that time, when Gaz came downstairs to tell me he was going to put a film on in my sister's room. I decided it might be a nice way to pass some time until my mom came home, so I put away my stuff and went upstairs to my sister's room to settle down for a film. We then proceeded to watch Brewster's Millions, during which my brother and sister fell asleep, whilst Gaz and I continued to watch the film. Near the end of the film, about 11 p.m., the metal gate in my garden swung open, and we started to hear footsteps coming up the path, and before long we hear a noise that sort of sounds like a single knock at our door, but could have been someone fumbling for the door handle. At that point, Gaz tells me to go to the window and see who it is. The bedroom we were in is the one directly above the front door. It wasn't uncommon for us to go to the window and yell down to see who was there. But when I went and opened the window, something stopped me from saying anything. I stood at the window listening for a second or two when the front door to my house opened. Now the door was not locked. My mom was due back and we lived in a small village, so locked doors weren't really a thing back then. On hearing the door open, Gaz remarked that it must be my mom and she must have had a few too many drinks and fumbled with the door. I figured, yeah, he's right. So I closed the window and make my way to the landing area. As I exit the bedroom, the stairs are to the left and they run straight down to the right of where the front door is. So the door is obscured for the most part by a wall that we hang our coats on. Normally, I would run downstairs to welcome my mom home, seeing her, how her night went, etc. But something stopped me from doing so. So instead, I peeked over the banister and looked down. I heard the door close, and then a guy stepped out from behind the wall and into the space at the bottom of the stairs. The guy was scruffy, wearing an oversized cable-knit blue jumper, a tatty wool beanie, and had scruffy, patchy facial hair and a mousy blonde hair curling out of it. He was thin and over six feet. As he steps into the space at the bottom of the stairs, we lock eyes, and he stops and starts shaking his head at me. Being 11 years old, I damn near wet myself and ran back into the bedroom doing a weird whisper yell at Gaz to tell him there was a man downstairs. In all of the commotion, my siblings woke up and all tried to piece together what I was gesturing about and trying to tell Gaz. Now Gaz is 17 years old and a kickboxer who fancies himself as a bit of a tough guy, so he grabs the baseball bat my sister had hung on a wall and starts to make a beeline for the bedroom door. My sister has finally pieced things together and pleads with him not to go down there in case the guy has a knife or something. So instead of going to smack the trespasser with a bat, Gaz closes the bedroom door and him and my brother try to block it in the event that someone tries to get in. We go quiet and we listen for any noises in the house and we are not disappointed. We hear footsteps ascending the wooden stairs that lead up to where we were holed up. Third step from the top was a creaky step. We hear the creak. The noise stops and we hear a rustling. Outside of the bedroom, there were bins full of Christmas decorations that we'd pulled from the loft, ready to decorate the house, and this put the person directly outside of the bedroom. Gaz had an idea for me to jump out of the bedroom window and onto the awning above the front door, which is 
the method of sneaking out of the house that had been used through my childhood, and run across the road to notify a family friend to phone the police and get some assistance in the house. It was pre-everyone having mobile phones, and our house phone was downstairs. Worried that I'd get into the garden and then the bloke would run out and murder me, I declined taking part in Gaz's big plan. Instead, we all waited, bracing ourselves for this person to try to enter the room. Next thing we know, the gate to the garden opens. Footsteps down the path, front door opens, closes, someone coming up the wooden stairs, third step from the top creaks, the rustle of bin bags, and then someone tries to get into the room. Gaz yells, Who is it? Who the fuck is it? It's me. Who is it? It's me, Karen. Karen happens to be my mother. So we open the door and explain what has happened. And my mom doesn't really believe us, but at our insistence, we search the house to ensure nobody has hidden in there. And we don't find anyone. And the back door was locked. The front door didn't open again between the person entering the house and my mom returning, and none of the windows were open. My mom was adamant that we imagined it, but we all knew what we saw. Gaz knows he heard someone come in, and we all heard them come up the stairs. It was one of those weird things. About a week later, I'm at home, and my sister was looking after us on a Saturday afternoon while my mom was at work. My sister had a couple of her mates around, and Gaz was there with a couple of his mates too. We were all playing some computer game, and as is the way with a younger brother, I was being annoying. I can't remember what it was I was doing, but it was irritating enough that my sister and all of her friends decided to not play on my computer in the room I shared with my brother and instead go to her room and play on a different console. I was pretty bummed out about being ditched by all the cooler, older kids, so I was sulking and looking out the window. Well, at least they didn't tie you up. (laughs) Bitter. Um, I get the feeling so well. After a few minutes of this, I see someone jogging up the road in front of my house, and I recognize him as the man from my hall a week earlier. I freeze in terror as he stops in front of my house, turns to look at me in my bedroom, and just shakes his head at me. I freak out and go charging into my sister's room to let them know that the man is outside. They run to the window where Gaz and his mates see the guy looking at our house, and they decide to run out and chase him and see what this guy's deal was. They get outside and chase him up to a path that runs between the houses, which is about 50 meters long. They get to the path, and there's no sign of him. It's like he disappeared. There's a forest that if he hopped ahead was only about 15 meters off the path, so maybe it's possible he darted in there, but wherever he went, the guy was gone. That was pretty much it. It became the story I told people. A weird thing that happened to me and a staple of any camping trip I went on. I dubbed him the shaky head man and enjoyed sharing the tale of when he came into my house, disappeared, and then reappeared a week later. Over the year, plenty of my friends heard the story, but nothing more came of it. Until... When I was about 19, I was living in a nearby town called Denby with my then-girlfriend. She was a big fan of paranormal stuff, and so she was familiar with my story and always got a kick out of me telling it. Because I tell the story fairly well, probably a lot better than I write it up, so sorry for that. One day, I come home from working at the local supermarket, and when I go to enter the house, the door is locked. This is odd because I know my now ex is home, so I knock, and eventually she comes to the door, and she is in tears. I calm her down and ask what's wrong, and she's worked herself up because she said she was reading in the living room and looked up and saw a guy that looked exactly like my description of shaky headman, and he stood in front of her lounge window for a few minutes before walking to stand in front of the front door where he stood for what she said was a very long time. At some point during that, she ran to the front door and locked it, and soon after, the guy shuffled off. Now, I wasn't there, but she was super worked up about it, so I figured someone had to have been there. 
but almost a decade had passed since I first encountered the shaky headman. So I doubted that he would look the same. So I figured she must have been mistaken or just trying to get in on my story action as she was prone to the odd lie. I figured things weren't as they seemed, but she was adamant about what she had seen. About three days later, we were chilling at the house watching TV and my ex starts freaking out. It's him. He's back. I look up at the window and there he is. Shaky headman standing there looking up the road. And I'm tripping out because this is the exact same guy. No doubt. But a different, a different, different house. I sit there looking at him for a few moments and he makes his way from standing in front of the window to the left of the white door and moved to stand in front of the frosted glass window on the door. I then decided that I'm a grown ass man now and I could just go and see what this guy's deal is and see if he's okay. My ex does not like this idea and wouldn't let me go outside. So after about 10 minutes of this guy standing outside the front door, he just walks off. About a week later, around 10.30 at night, we were upstairs watching a film in bed when the front door to our house opens. My girlfriend's mom was also in the house, and so we all rushed out to see what's happening. There was no one there, and I couldn't see anyone when I went out to the street. My girlfriend was adamant that she had locked the door before we went upstairs, but my mom told her she must have been mistaken and not locked it correctly. So we lock things up and we carry on with our lives. This was the last time I saw a shaky head man. I am now 36, so this was 16 years ago. But it's still a story I dig out whenever people are sharing weird incidents they've experienced. I've spent some time trying to figure out who he was and decided he must have been someone from the asylum a couple miles up the road from my village home that was confused and entered my house by accident. I just can't work out how he got out of there or why he looked the same after a decade Although maybe he just looks similar and given the time that's elapsed, I've just lost some of the detail of his face so I can't tell how much he aged. That's not to say that this is the last I've heard of Shaky Headman. A number of people I've told the story to have claimed to have seen him with a, within a week or two of being told my story. A couple of them claim that he has even given them a shake of his head too. One girl claimed he appeared in her garden while she was washing the dishes and just stood there shaking his head at her. I can't confirm if any of these other sightings are genuine or if the people were just winding me up or trying to be part of the story, but it's a weird thing for people to lie about. Hopefully they are lying, as I would hate for him to start popping up in America to visit anyone just learning of his experience. Great. I didn't think about that until now. Don't look out your window. I am currently on the third floor of a building, so if I see someone out this window, I am simply going to perish There's something, okay, there's something scarier about being on a higher up floor and then someone standing outside looking directly into that window. Thank God I closed the blinds (laughs) because they almost did it with the blinds open because I was like, oh, I have a nice view of the water like right now where I am. So why don't I, why don't I keep these open? Thank God I did not. It's so strange. I mean, because the first time he experienced the shaky head man, I was like, oh, It could just be some guy, some scary person who wandered off the street into your house. Maybe they were scared off by the fact that his mom came home. But then to come back into his life many years later. I know. And I'm trying to make sense of it because the fact that it's, it's kind of like the it follows, you know, that 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 sort of, you have brought it up in a long time. I know. I know. It's been like a year (laughs) and a half. I've been trying, but here I go. I'm back on it. Where it's just like each person, it just kind of like brings people into the story and another person learns. And then that person basically has another person learn about this, this spirit. Yes. Oh my gosh. 
What did you do to us, Rowena? I'm scared. My my Apple Watch just chimed and said, you should take a minute to breathe. (laughs) (laughs) It's saying it right now. You should breathe. Okay. Thanks. I'm trying to make sense of what exactly this thing is. Because it doesn't sound like the standard spirit. The fact that it has this full form and that people are thinking that they're seeing an actual person. But it stands there and so, shakes its head at you. I know. I'm so scared by it's it. It's so The fact unsettling. that it knows it can travel distance and and refind you and find other people who've learned of its existence makes me think that it's definitely paranormal. Yeah, okay. I think it's the wind, but my, my whole microphone stand just started going like back and forth. <gasps> it's shaking its head at me. <gasps> oh, my god! I think it's just the force of the wind coming okay. through my place. I sure hope so. Is the are the plant leaves shaking no. behind you? They're very little light leaves, and you did say that's a fake plant, which means they'd be even lighter in weight. So I don't know. Interesting. We might be seeing this person now. The shaky head man is paying me a visit. The shaky head. I'm so confused by it. Right. Oh, you know what I really didn't like either was when what confused me is when Paul's girlfriend at the time had had been looking out the window saw this shaky head man and then the shaky head man moved to the door which at the time was unlocked and just stood there until she walked over and was so close like basically only <gasps> separated by this unlocked door oh my God. and then locked it, it. Makes and me then he think walked of away black-eyed kids yes <gasps> is this the papa of the bk but what's, okay what doesn't fit with that theory is that the first time Paul ever encountered the shaky head man, it walked into his house uninvited. What if you don't have to be invited by you just it's based on if you've ever been invited into the space, not if you've been invited by that person who currently inhabits so it. So you you think like someone else has let them in let him in? What if 40 years ago whoever was oh. living in that condo <gasps> or that home had encountered shaky head man and let, let him in? Oh, that's scary. And so he just kept frequenting that place. And then once he learned of these people, then started following Paul <sighs> and everybody that Paul and Rowena have told the story no. to. No. Oh my gosh. We're, I mean, this is why our podcast is haunted because we read things like this and now everyone's going to tell us that they saw the shaky head man and it's going to be all our fault or Paul. You know, I'm putting real vibes out to the spirits who have been helping us find new listeners to also protect yeah. us and our listeners. I don't want to meet the shaky head man. No, at first, I was like, from at first, I was like, okay, well, maybe it was just, um, you know, a glitch, and they, you know, th- this man in another parallel universe lives in this house, and so he walked into his home. Mm-hmm. But then, the way that he followed Paul and now appears That's to other people, thing. and he exactly. hasn't aged, right? If it was just someone who was, you know, this. This neighbor who was either a little creepy or just someone who was just confused and was walking around and didn't quite, wasn't entirely aware of what they were doing or how their actions were affecting another person. That would be one thing. But the fact that this shaky head man was able to, I'm getting freaked out even saying the nickname for him. The fact that he was able to find Paul again after a move and finds everybody after they hear the story. Mm -hmm. That is what makes it really, really freaky, especially that it's not just someone thinking that, you know, they heard someone break in or, or that they dreamt of him. Like this person is approaching people, standing in windows, standing at the edge of gardens, very close hey. to people who know now know who he is. Yeah, that's spooky. Very spooky. Okay, let me read us something 
I can't remember what exactly I've pulled. So I can't promise that it will be uplifting. (laughs) Oh, here we go. I will do this one. This is a nice one for you. For me? I picked Bigfoot for myself. And then I picked one called I Don't Want to Be Abducted. Oh. For you. And it's from Megan. Hey, ghouls. I know I posted this on Facebook, but I really wanted to submit my story as well. Last week, I had the most intense nightmare. I was laying in my bed and woke up for a second and looked up at my windows that had curtains open. Why did I do that? I know better. (laughs) To see shadows made from the cars driving by of these three tall and skinny grays. (gasps) I jumped and I looked back down at my bed to try to find my glasses. And once I had them on, I looked back at the window to see one of the grays looking right at me. (gasps) It felt so incredibly real that I woke up and literally ran downstairs. These are the days that I'm glad that I'm an adult that still lives with my parents. (laughs) LOL. I was shocked that I didn't wake either of them up, but I went to the door and I tried to peek out to see if I could see anything. That night, I slept downstairs in our guest bedroom because I sure as hell was not going to sleep in my room. Mm -hmm. Then I realized I couldn't see and I was like, oh crap, I have to go back upstairs and get my glasses. I was so scared that I stayed downstairs in the guest room for a whole week. I made an excuse saying that it was because of the extreme cold and my base heater in my room doesn't work. Not a total lie, though, LOL. And I guess I was more scared because I'm starting to believe that I actually was abducted before (gasps) I saw these grays when I was just age seven. Whoa, what? I had this nightmare where I was in this large circular field surrounded by trees at night and a spaceship came down And two seven-foot-tall aliens with razor-sharp teeth came (gasps) after me. Only a couple years ago did I realize that the field from my dream was actually the Haobachu Forest in Romania. (gasps) I saw it on an episode of Ghost Adventures and turned white as a sheet. Oh my gosh. Chills! So pretty much when I saw that gray peeking into my window, I was like, no, not again. I told my coworkers a story and I said that I wished it was a ghost instead. And they asked why. And I replied, well, a ghost won't abduct you in your sleep, perform painful tests on you and send you back with a human alien hybrid inside of you. <laughs> uh, included are several pictures of what I saw in those dreams, quote unquote. The first two are pictures that I found online that best depict my recent nightmare and my nightmare when I was seven. The third picture is what I did to my curtains when I finally came back upstairs to sleep in my room. Yes, those are clothes pins. <laughs> Thanks for reading and I'll see you on the other oh, side. She like Megan. closed them <laughs> so that nothing could pierce Close through. Closed them and then put twinkly Christmas lights all up on the top. So it's like entirely closed and then it's lit. Oh, the, the nightmare from when you were seven, Megan, I'm shook. It's, it's so creepy. And to later in your life realize that the nightmare was based in like a real place and High Bachu yes. Forest, which is the most terrifying, <gasps> scary, ominous, unsettling, mm-hmm. unknown place ever. I know. It makes me so curious too. Like in those nightmares, was that was that nightmare actually a memory and it was just like weirdly, weirdly put back into your mind so that you didn't actually know that it was an abduction? Or or is that a past life mm. memory? Or are abductions actually done with your astral body? Like, are you actually never physically abducted? Are you, is oh. some part of your astral body just taken for a moment? I was thinking more like she was abducted from her bedroom and taken to Haibachu Forest. 
Mm. Because maybe the energy there is something specific that aliens use to harvest something. Yes. I don't know. And then <gasps> maybe she tried to run and they chased oh after gosh. her. Oh my gosh. It's so freaky. It reminds me of, I know that there are Reddit threads on this and you can go deep in it. And I think we've read a couple stories too, where people, people all from a nightmare later see an image of like a cafeteria or of a basement mm-hmm. online and be like, oh, that's the place from my horrible nightmare, my recurring dream. And multiple people will have memories there or dreams yeah. from that one location that they've never been to, to their knowledge. Dreams are so fascinating. I feel like we're really tapping into something when you're dreaming. Yeah. I also so wish we could just record our dreams and then be able to rewatch in the morning and try to decode or just steal the ideas for great thrillers. Yeah. But man, oh man. I can't offer you a solution for those. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm excited about this because the subject line is like my dream. It's okay. called Date Night at the Haunted Orphanage. <laughs> and it is from Eamon. Hey guys, I'm a new listener to your podcast and I'm currently new, but this is from 2008. I'm currently listening my way. 2008. Oh, whoa. What? Is that what I said? We we did not have this podcast or podcast out in 2008. I don't think they existed yet. I meant 2018. This is from 2018. Whoopsie. Talk about a glitch. Glitch in my brain. Uh, I'm currently listening my way through, likely at an unhealthy pace from the beginning. However, I just couldn't wait to share my most exciting paranormal experience with you. I recently moved from my childhood home outside of Boston to Texas, and my then-girlfriend came with to help with the drive. Our last stop together was in New Orleans, and we did all the normal touristy things, but I wanted to do something special for our final night together before she flew home. I came up with a perfect date. A late-night tour of a haunted asylum supervised by professional paranormal investigators. I've always been fascinated by the paranormal, and Teresa has been told she's extra sensitive to otherworldly things, and even that she isn't often accompanied by certain spirits. However, despite both attending what is considered one of the most haunted universities in the country, none of us had ever had any significant experiences. She rightfully rolled her eyes at me at first, but I could tell she was interested, and after a bit of pestering slash mild begging, she was on board. The location of the tour was the St. Vincent Infant Asylum. We were given a quick rundown of the equipment we'd be using and a bit of a history on the place. Apparently, it was built by the Catholic Church in the 1860s to house young orphans at the peak of the Civil War and major disease outbreaks. It had served as an orphanage, then as a home for young unwed mothers. It was open until the 1970s, before recently being turned into a sketchy, run-down guest house. There are records of many residents dying from various ye old timey diseases you get from living in a swamp in the 1800s. Additionally, there are rumors of abuse and medical experimentation by the staff who worked there. Sadly, it's hard to find more info online, at least with the three minutes of Googling I pretend is research. After a short and unproductive large group session, we were broken into two smaller groups to do more personal investigations. Teresa and I were first put into a small bedroom that had been used by the head nun and was often the first place new children would come through. It is considered very active. We had a spirit box, two EMF detectors, and a teddy bear. After asking if anyone liked the teddy bear, the detector next to it lit up like crazy and then stopped after about a minute. 
I pretty constantly found random moving spots of moderate EMF energy at about waist height, aka the height of a little kid. I've worked with kids and know that they can be intimidated by full-grown adults standing over them. So I sat on the floor against a wall and asked if anyone wanted to sit with me and put an EMF meter on the ground next to me. I watched the read go from baseline to the second highest reading and hold steady at that rating the entire time I was sitting. We asked if there were more than one spirits with us. The spirit box, which had been quiet and barely picked up normal outside radio signals, counted off one, two, three, four in different voices. After the count, we found a line of EMF energy all along a whole wall in the room and into the walk-in closet where there hadn't been any signal when we walked in the room initially. Teresa commented it was as if some kids were all huddling together away from us. I asked if there was anyone standing next to me and heard what sounded like higher, raised EMF reader to about my head height, 510, and got another hit. I kept raising the device and lost the signal after about six feet. I lowered it again and heard perfect from the spirit box. Super weird (laughs) as we hadn't heard anything when we asked if there were adults in the room with us. We were then moved with the rest of the group to the other wing of the building that had served as a dormitory. We were briefed that there was a much darker energy in this end of the building, and the words evil and rape often come up in investigations. In the main large group bedroom, the guide set up four EMF readers in a square. They were all at baseline for a few minutes, then lit up and fell back down in a wave, as if someone walked through the box directly to the bed Teresa and I were sitting on. The guide later told us he personally always felt uneasy on that bed and subconsciously often felt himself looking away from it for some reason. Another guy moved somewhat suddenly towards the spirit box to try and hear better after a few faint possible responses. And we heard a loud and clear, oh my gosh, in a little girl's voice as he got close. In another smaller bedroom, a group of four of us crowded around a spirit box and I tried my come sit with me routine again. I waited a few seconds and asked if anyone was with me. We heard the word, sit, sit, twice in quick succession. Everyone else in the room all sat down with me after that. After a few minutes without any likely responses, someone asked if there was still anybody here with us, and we immediately heard, here, crystal clear and very loud, almost as if it were being shouted through the spirit box. Teresa was sitting next to me, and I asked if there was anyone on her other side, and we heard a fairly clear, you. In case you were wondering, dad jokes hurt a lot more when they come from beyond the grave. (laughs) One guy tried to take a picture with his phone and the flash went off. Someone jokingly asked if that was too bright and we heard, oh yeah, in a condescending tone. (laughs) Must have been the same smartass. We were finally getting ready to pack up and leave in the larger room and all of the EMF detectors started going crazy and we got a number of responses from the spirit box such as no when asked if they wanted us to leave and goodbye as we went to turn it off. With all this sass and playfulness, I'm starting to convince myself that the five foot ten spirit was not an adult. It was just two kids in a trench coat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is more anecdotal, but the whole time in the second wing, I'd kind of felt nauseous. I know that could be a symptom of negative energy, but I dismissed it as I have a temperamental stomach. I get the same feeling in very non-haunted places. However, as soon as we stepped outside, I felt completely fine. Then, as we stepped through the gate from the property to the parking lot, I got a huge full body chill, despite it being 95 degrees and 95% humidity. 
That's just about everything I experienced. The guides and investigators actually let us go almost an hour over the scheduled tour time, as this was a much higher amount of activity that they'd had in a while. Though maybe not everything was 100% spiritual, there were too many intelligent happenings to push off as a chance or random interference. Although I felt a total adrenaline rush throughout the whole night, I don't think I'll go investigating again. I worry I've already opened myself up too much to some real dark entities, but that remains to be seen. At the very least, I still haven't recovered after being clapped back by a sassy ghost child. Anyway, that's it for now. You guys do a great job of scaring the bejesus out of me, and I'm excited to binge through the rest of the episodes. See you on the other side. Regards, Amen. I love I love that dad joke. Is anyone next to this person? It's like, yeah, you, you are. are. You're sitting next to that person. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. And I mean, that, that second wing, they said that there was usually more negative experiences, but the experiences they had were hilarious and very fun. I know. Very fun. And maybe, maybe it's because they were being r- respectful and, and kind of like playing the right games and acting as you should around children that right. they got all of the kids and the kids energy kind of like took over. Maybe the kids aren't normally always there, but because right. they had the opportunity to play and to sit down and be involved, everyone came rushing and the spirit that normally lurks was just like, all right, whatever. Right. Yeah. They felt safe with this group. That's so sweet. I know. I am. I do feel bad, though, thinking about the negativity and the the stories of like torture and rape and, and just certain parts of the room and the bed having really, really gross energy. I know. But I'm glad that the kids, that there are multiple, like that they have each other. There's not just one lone ghost child. And they're lifting each other up on their shoulders. They are. Two kids in a trench coat. Uh, that's my favorite. Favorite ghost <laughs> thing I've ever heard. And it's fully... <laughs> ingrained in my brain and yeah we'll be part of a what's our book witch girl baby witch baby witch it will be part of baby witch (laughs) and then when she grows up she's witch girl (laughs) and then teen witch and then two girls one ghost the adult version (laughs) maybe it's about us it's an autobiography good idea isn't everything about us on this podcast? Although we say that, but we just also acknowledge that nothing is controlled by us. It's all controlled by the ghost. So it's all about the ghost. True. My goodness. Well, I liked a lot hearing about Eamon's experience because that makes me feel good that sometimes there are these silly and fun and produce good anecdote experiences from these otherwise horrific ghost tours that people go on these paranormal i'm not making sense these words are not with me anymore (laughs) well maybe just read someone else's words and we'll pretend that okay nothing's wrong with us i'm going to read the words of jay it's called go back to sleep Ooh, scary hey corinne and sabrina i've had quite a few spoopy encounters but i'll stick with this reoccurring character for today when i was maybe five or six years old i always slept with a dog plushie named spot Just bursting with originality, I know. (laughs) And one night, I woke up to see a solid black figure standing by my dresser. I couldn't make out its features, but I got the impression that it was very tall and thin, and that there was something wrong with its face. It extended straight out and tapered to a point. No. Kind of like a huge beak. What did you say? I said, nope. Oh, I thought you said nipple. Oh, (laughs) That could be described. Maybe that's just what's in your head, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Somehow, I wasn't afraid of it, but I was concerned about why the figure was tucking Spot into my sock drawer. 
It seemed to realize that I was watching it and swung its head towards me. It said, don't worry about it. Go back to sleep. Oh. So I did. And the next morning, I'd completely forgotten about this encounter, and I couldn't really recall it until later that day. But when I got out of bed, Spot was gone. I looked behind my pillow and under the bed. Nothing. After breakfast, I resumed my search and started to panic when Spot continued to be nowhere. My mom was doing laundry that day, and she even stopped the cycle and poked through the washing machine to see if Spot had gotten tangled up in my sheets. But nothing. That afternoon, my mom put away the laundry, and she found Spot stuffed inside of my sock (gasps) drawer. Fast forward to when I was a sophomore in an out-of-state college. That semester, I lived alone on the sixth floor. I woke up in the middle of the night to a scraping sound that sounded a lot like claws dragging lightly down the window screen. I was petrified, even more so when I couldn't find my glasses in their usual place on the shelf beside my bed. I did the classic horror movie slow turn toward the sound. I couldn't see through the window, but I did make out the silhouette of a tall, solid black figure standing in front of it, looking out. It had the same strange beak-like thing going on with its face. Somehow, once again, this did not terrify me. It said, don't worry, it's just hail. Go back to sleep. So I did. I have chills. (laughs) The next morning, I woke up to find my glasses folded neatly next to my pillow. Due to an irrational fear of wearing out the hinges, I never fold my glasses. And due to a somewhat more rational fear of rolling on top of them in my sleep, I never leave my glasses on my bed. I didn't remember seeing the dark figure again until one of my friends mentioned the unseasonable sleet that we had overnight. Thanks for making it this far and keep up the good work. Cheers, Jay. Okay, the first thing I think of is not a nipple on its face, but a, you know, those old doctor masks that people wore during the plague. Yes, that kind of, it's like curved down. kind of like a beak. Exactly, yes. And I was thinking the exact same thing. And based on the fact that Jay doesn't experience or feel any negativity or darkness when this thing's around, it makes me think that maybe it's a guardian of some type and, and maybe someone from a past life who Jay knew. I don't know. I don't know because it feels very shadow figure-esque. But, but it talks to oh, Jay. Wait. Oh, wait. I forgot there's a, there's another <gasps> there's another e- oh, part of the email. Okay. Jay followed up and said, I still haven't figured out what it is because it diverges so much from the standard shadow person narrative. Disfigured face slash head, direct communication, actions with physical results, knowledge of things I didn't know, the freak hailstorm, which had melted by the time that I woke up, encounters unaccompanied by negative emotions or sleep paralysis, etc. I've poked around message boards and asked a couple psychics about it, but have yet to receive any clarity on the matter. I used to experience hauntings almost everywhere I went, so I battened the hatches, spiritually speaking, in my last two homes, and it's been quite a few years since I've run into anything. And it's been quite a few years since I've run into anything. I sort of feel bad about it, as though I've locked the friendly figure out, but it's worth it to not have to deal with the unfriendlies. So even Jay is saying, like, I don't know what the heck this is. It seems like a shadow figure, but it is not really conforming to the traditional narrative of a shadow person and calling it friendly. It's the friendly figure. Mm -hmm. It it is weird that it tucked Jay's stuffed animal into into the drawer, you know? Mm -hmm. Like it's moving things. and, And also neatly placing the glasses by the Mm -hmm. pillow or on the pillow folding them up like that that just seems caring and so i'm i'm almost wondering sabrina if you're right if the mask 
if it is a doctor from back then and it was just this like tall slender doctor and in his in his astral spiritual soul state he just isn't able to show himself beyond this kind of like cloaked black self i'm curious what the voice sounds like because in my mind for some reason i was picturing a female saying don't worry about it go back Mm -hmm. to sleep but but i don't think jay specified so i am curious was it a masculine voice or a female voice and the saying go back to sleep is so it it makes there's something comforting about it like the way that my mom would say it's okay go back to sleep you know like Mm -hmm. don't be worried about the things that are happening outside of your dreams or outside of like your sleep because I'm here watching right and even watching out the window at the hailstorm and then just saying like don't worry it's just hail go back to sleep Mm -hmm. everything does feel comforting and it's the fact that they tucked the stuffed animal away, folded up the glasses, that seems kind of like, you know, depending on what type of person you are, how you parent, how you care give, putting things away, even though that stuffed animal was like a comfort stuffed animal, that might be their way of, you know, oh, the the child's asleep. Let me put their stuffed animal right. away so that they can sleep and, and not be, you know, inhibited by where the placement of this stuffed animal is. <sighs> okay. I have a story from Lucy. And it's called, I Knew My Sister, Even Though She Was Dead. Mm. Hello, all. My name is Lucy. You can use my name throughout. I'm sort of new to the podcast and catching up. I'm on episode 48, as well as listening to the new ones when they're released. It's a bit confusing, but I'm getting there. Anyway, during episode 48, or maybe earlier, one of you mentioned one of your friends had a dream about a sibling, and then a few years later, they had a baby sibling and just knew that sibling was the baby from the dream. I think that's how the story went. Sorry if I butchered it. So this jogged my memory and I thought I'd email you in with my story. So I have a big sister who's one and a half years older than me. When I was 13 and my sister, let's call her Harriet, was 15, my mom and dad sat us down at the dining room table and showed us a picture of a baby scan and some small pink socks. Without them saying anything, I blurted out, it's Grace. I just knew it was Grace. My parents looked at me shocked, and my dad asked my mom, have you mentioned Grace to her? My mom said, no, not at all. It turns out Grace was an older sister of both me and Harriet, but had died during childbirth around three years before Harriet was born, so four and a half years before me. My parents had not mentioned Grace at all to either me or Harriet ever, but like I said, I just knew it was Grace. I have no explanation for this. Harriet didn't know like I did, and we were obviously both devastated to learn we might have had an older sister. Additionally, I was going to be a twin. I'd known of this as my mom and dad had both mentioned it because they couldn't not mention it. Apparently, when I was a toddler and throughout my whole life, actually, I commented on the fact that a part of me feels just slightly missing. I think when I was about 10 or 11, my mom really sat me down and explained it. I was due to be a twin, but my twin died during childbirth. My poor mom, bless her. I think that this is the reason that I don't and have never felt like a whole person. I'm literally missing another half of me. I sometimes hear a very similar voice to mine as if someone is talking to me and I just know it's my twin. She usually speaks to me during quite stressful times to calm me down. So I feel like she's my guardian angel, if you will. I know this sounds a bit odd, but if any podcast won't judge me, it's you guys. (laughs) See you on the other side, Lucy. Wow. Lucy's clearly open enough that all of her siblings who are crossed over on the other side are able to be very clear about their presence or at least deliver the information into her mind 
like grace. Yeah. Well, I also wonder if, cause she said that she and her sister were like 13 and 15 when they were first sat down. Like, I wonder if Lucy had experiences and communicated with grace as a child, you know, mm. the same way that her would have been twin was communicating with her. Like, I just wonder if right. she met Grace. Yeah. And she just didn't remember it because she was young, but it was it was embedded in her mind. Yeah. So in that moment, she was just like, it's Grace. It's Grace. Yeah. Oh, and poor Lucy, your mom. I'm so I sorry. Know, That's poor so parents. sad. But at the same time, I feel like this Lucy was supposed to be this open, was supposed to know about Grace and to know about her twin to kind of provide that sort of comfort to her parents that it's not just gone forever, you right. know? Right, right. Like they're still with us. We still feel them. We know mm-hmm. their energy is here and it's embedded within us in our lives. Yeah. Wow. My goodness. I, I'm very curious too about her older sister, Harriet. If Harriet had any experiences, because, you know, I feel like sometimes it depends on your personality. You might have had experiences, but you just write them off as something else. Right. So I, I'm very curious about that as well. Yeah. Lucy, let us know. Let us know. Okay. I have one for us to end on. I thought this would be a nice one to end on because I think it's rather sweet. It's called Psychic Kitty Dreams. <gasps> Go it's on. It's from Elise. Okay. Hello, ladies and Leah. I have a short and happy story about how I got my cat via a dream vision. <gasps> I had been going through a rough time emotionally and put it out into the universe that I really wanted a cat companion, but I wanted all of the help I have to have a hand in picking it. So fast forward to one night later, I'm dreaming that I somehow have a child, thank God, only in my dream, (laughs) and I'm at my parents' house. I sit the baby down on the couch to get up and pee, only to have the sudden panicked thought that the baby's going to roll off the couch and is about to drop onto the floor. I scramble back to the couch and I dive with my arms out to catch the baby, only to have the sweetest, cutest, dark blob of a kitten roll into my (gasps) hands. The most striking part is the copper eyes. And the instructions I heard to remember to play when I caught the kitten. Oh my god! I contacted my friend who works at a cat shelter and we were going to go look at kittens in two days. In the meantime, I had to figure out what the heck remember to play went. My best interpretation was to buy a toy. I chose a lamb chop toy and to infuse slash bless it with all of the things that I'd wished for in my companion. When the day came to look at kittens, I took the toy with me. Surprisingly, it seemed to almost be repellent to any cat that I showed it to, and I started to get discouraged. That is, until the very last kennel, when there was this kitten with the same copper eyes as my dream, (laughs) and she was drawn to the toy like a magnet. Stop! She has been such an adventure, and I thank all of my help for doing what they do best. We met on a full moon, and I was wearing a shirt that said Moonchild on it, so her name is... Tsukiko or Suki, which is a Japanese name that means moon child. I'm including a picture of me meeting her and her little face on a backpacking adventure attached. Much love and stay spooky, Elise. Oh, Suki. Suki. Oh, they have the cat carrier. I know. <laughs> she has that cat carrier, the backpack that has the like little plastic window, like the little mm-hmm. blob airplane window for the cat to look it at. It looks like a spaceship. It does, but I love in this picture Suki's the backpack's half zipped and Suki's just like hanging out of the zippered part, like so fully cute. half in and, and half out in the wilderness. Ugh. Like no need for this plastic bubble. She's just staying in the backpack. So sweet. So sweet. Oh Elise, I want to know more about your help and who these spirits are that are helping you from the other side and bringing this 
cat, you're familiar. Your guardian, you're a little like I know. Your companion into your life. I know. Oh my gosh. And look at her as a little kitten, a little baby. Ugh, don't, don't. Isn't this so sweet? It's she so cute and the fact Suki. that they repelled, the, all the other cats were repelling the, the toy because they weren't the right cat. They weren't. They, they knew weren't. they couldn't be near it. <laughs> it wasn't for them. They weren't. All right. I'm going to put it out to the world and say I need, I want a cat, but I'm going to ask for it to show up at my front door so that I don't have to explain to Nick why I went to a cat shelter and <laughs> adopted another cat. Yeah. Sit down with Leia, ask her to think about what she would like a, yeah. in a companion in as well. And then, you know, Leia does have a history of occasionally escaping. We don't want her to escape, but the next time, God forbid, she does get out, perhaps she brings back her future companion with her. Or without her going out or running <laughs> out, because I don't like that part of it. The cat just shows up to the door. That's possible. Easy Just hangs outside of your window. Or right now, it's so windy and your your windows are blowing open. What if it just blows a cat in? I'd be okay with that too. It could happen. Let's do it. All right, I'm putting it out there. Wonderful. Well, everybody, thank you so much for sending us your stories. We love them so much and hope that you continue to send them to us. Our email is twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. I do want to say, because I, I don't think we've said it in quite some time, when we pick stories, we only go to our inbox to look for stories. So if you post on Facebook, if you direct message us on Instagram, Twitter, amazing. We want to see it and it, we love reading them. But if you would like your email to be read on the podcast, please send them to our email inbox because that's the only place we go when dragging. Or if you mail them to our P.O. box too. True. True. We do. When you mail them to the P.O. box, we do. there's a good chance we'll read them. Mm-hmm. There are many other ways to support us. You can follow us on social media. We have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can join our pyramid scheme. You can buy merch, which I've been um, saying there's new merch coming, and I promise it is coming. I, I now have more time, and I will do it this week or in the next few weeks, and it's coming. And uh, it's you coming. might be happy about it. Corinne, I know you're happy about it. I am. Real quick, thank you to Brooke Foster and Eric Foster at Upfire Digital for editing our podcast every single week. Thank you for dealing with our pee breaks and our very long episodes that you cut down and make beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> yes, we also talk to our editors too. So so thank you for, for letting us talk to you and, and give yeah. notes and edit ourselves on the fly as we go and say, oh my gosh, please, Brooke, I'm so sorry about that. Oh, edit yeah. out that burp. <laughs> and we will. See you on the other side. side.